to me, it's like my dad telling me like, okay, your teacher gave you an F. That's racism. We're going to go to Venezuela and talk to our people about all of this, right? Like, that's what I'm trying to bring to my kids. It's like, okay, like you think you don't have an ability to do math at all. That's probably not true. Let's actually see what it is that you're bringing and why do you think that? What messages have you gotten all your life about that? That to me is what we all need to be doing. Welcome to season six of the Teacher Collaborative Podcast. This season, we're going to explore the teacher identity and take a look at how and why a teacher's job becomes a teacher's life. We'll hear from teachers in their own voices about the joy and challenge they find in this intersection, how they navigate their time, and the tools they've developed to find the balance of it all. In addition to hearing from teachers, the people who drive the work, we're rotating hosts this season so you can meet the Teacher Collaborative team, the people behind the work. My name is Emily Soto. I am talking today to Eva Soto Pereo. Welcome, Eva, to our Teacher Collaborative Season 6 podcast. Thank you. And before we get started, you know, I know you a little bit from our participant in our collabs, but before we get started, I just want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, who you teach, and your kind of like your journey to the, the teaching profession. So yes, I'm Eva. I'm originally from Venezuela, and I my teacher's story. So I'm originally from Venezuela, and I was raised a big part of my life in Spain. And that became my, like, that was my experience as a student, as a migrant student in Spain. And that gave me a big window into what I didn't want to do with education. Uh, my grandma, every time I would go back home to Venezuela, my grandma would be my inspiration as the teacher. She was, you know, she founded a couple of mini schools, like not official schools, but basically literacy schools in the neighborhood, in different neighborhoods in Maracaibo. And knowing about that, I was always like, oh my God, I just want to be like her. In Spain, I got an education that was what you can expect. I mean, my history teacher when I was 14 told me that I should feel very lucky that the Spaniards came to Venezuela because otherwise my family would still be eating their own children. And this was a history teacher. So that was that was my experience in a nutshell. And it made me feel extremely alienated. And then one of the things that happens that I never thought it's it would be a very long story to explain why I'm in the United States, but it was never something that my family ever thought of doing. It happened to be something that we had to do. I was 19 when we got here. And my experience coming to the U.S. was like another big like shock that mm -hmm. led me to not a great mental health journey for many, many years. Again, just like it happened when we went to Spain. And one of the things that saved me was actually the, knowing that there's a lot of kids like me and knowing that there's like big communities of migrants who are actually very proud of who they are and knowing that there's people eager and hungry to learn more about their country, their language, who want to change the world. 
And education was the way to do it. Honestly, right now I'm in a school where I'd say it's like the kind of place I want to be specifically because of the population. So the institution could change. It's That's not what I'm talking about. It's more like it's migrant kids. They are all, I'm, I'm teaching Spanish, but teaching Spanish as a way to learn about their culture, about their history, about whatever it is that they want to learn. And yeah, so it's an empowering tool that I think started from my grandma, Abuela Isabelina, and who passed two years ago. And that is now like something that is very clearly my path. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Eva. That's really powerful. The story of your connection of teaching, education, your own maternal figure, your grandmother, and then kind of bringing that full circle with like the students that you work with today and that you serve that are also Spanish speakers, many of them immigrants as well, or first generation students. I want to ask you a little bit about, you talk a little bit about your identity, but I really want to ask you about your teaching identity. How do you feel that teaching has became a part of your identity? How does being a teacher impact your life outside of the classroom? I often feel weird because <laughs> I I often say like I love my job and it feels like a controversial thing to say because teaching the conditions that we have are not the best. We are, it, this is not a profession that is or like put in the top 10 professions where like <laughs> everyone wants their children to go. But I genuinely feel very rich in that it's been like a healing, I don't know, like it's like there's a lot of noise outside of the profession that is the thing that like brings me down. But honestly, my day to day is so affirming to my identity, the kind of children that I serve, but also the stories that they bring to me, the way their families connect with me, the way I connect with the families, the way like my co-workers are also, honestly, the Spanish department is 97% migrant also and the way in which we've connected as this like awesome community who love to be with each other and who love to like talk through what is the best thing for our kids that we might not have gotten or what are some things from our home countries we can bring here that they might not get the experience right because they are being raised in the United States but what can we do right to bring some of those things that they are now like in this space that is offering them this opportunity right so I think when I think about what is my teacher identity I can't express enough how much this gels with my whole self like what I'm doing right now gels with my whole self I think one of the times that you and I met Emily was actually around this time where I was having a little bit of a fight with myself and with like the what I thought the expectations would be at my school when I was like look the world cup is coming this is such a big event for everyone in right my culture like I don't, I don't know it's just, like it's just a world event that the U.S. doesn't care about but everyone else really really does and my kids are from everywhere else and I'm from everywhere else and my coworkers are from everywhere else. So for me it was this thing where I was like, okay, I need to connect the joy that is being brought to this building and that I'm bringing to this building to extremely high rigorous objectives, right? Like we have to present a five paragraph argumentative essay. So let's, why don't we do that? 
using something they're extremely tuned in with and that I'm extremely tuned in with. That's like, as a teacher, that's what I wanted to also like be delving into, right? It's like, oh my God, like, and me thinking in my head, it's like, oh, this is going to be a whole fight. And it was for a little bit with a few teachers who were like really struggling to understand how this fit. But then really everyone kind of got on board and like looked at our department as like a way of like, hey, like, how do you do this? Like, how can we incorporate this into the our curriculum? And it just became this thing where I was like, right, I am doing the right thing with the right people. I'm bringing the right message and I'm being supported. And also not just like, oh, you're a person of color. You do things. Bye. I'm glad you're doing things. It was like, okay, can we sit down and see like, what are the objectives? Let's see. Let's, how do we like expand it to the rest of the school, et cetera. Like it was a true, it made me feel at home in a way that I haven't been able to feel in many ways. I've been always very involved in activism, in left-wing, many, many things. And honestly, sometimes even those things have been very alienating for my, what, from what, like, with my identity, essentially. Like, very, like, the left is also very European, right? So it's like, okay, how do we, how do we make it more wholesome, right? And make it more authentic to everybody's experience. And I think teaching has allowed me to do all of that. And it's because I'm being supported, to be honest, like if it were in a school where like the environment where the admin was really hostile to all of these things, I would have left the profession. So it Mm. does have to come with all of this support that makes me not broken the way I think being a student made me feel. It actually makes me feel uplifted. And I see my kids being uplifted and I see them writing a five paragraph argumentative essay, you know, and getting a good, so yeah. Yeah, no, thank you, Eva. I really hear you with, in your narrative, I hear this in what you're describing. It seems like the connection here for you and for your school community is that connection of community, is that connection with students. It's celebrating student culture. And I love that. I love that for you. I love that you're in a place that also supports you and uplifts you and wants to join you in making this connection and allowing students to feel celebrated and allowing also you to feel celebrated. I want to ask you a quick question about, you touched a little bit about your work environment. I want to touch on the topic of just kind of like teacher time and like the demands of teacher time, right? Um, I want to ask you specifically about, has there been a time that you've been impacted by the demands of teacher time, the schedule of your work, just everything, you know, that never ending to do list for teachers? All the time. I mean, that's my biggest question, right? Around the longevity and the sustainability of the profession. I think for that, the main thing that sticks out to me when I compare myself with other friends who are not teachers is the absolute lack of flexibility. And like, sometimes that's real. Like your institution tells you, you have eight days to take off during the year. If those eight days are six of them being with the flu, sad for everyone. You have two more days and good luck of us. And that's that. So that's like institutional. And then there's the mental piece of like, sometimes I do have days off and I'm like, oh, but if I don't go, that means all of these things, like I have to still work for at least two hours to make subplans happen, right? And then subplans are like hit or miss. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work. 
what if kids like i don't know it's like a constant like it's it's very hard to disconnect to be like mm-hmm. okay it's a tuesday i need a day to myself that's a hours long battle to be able to make that happen and that's not a sustainable thing that's not a good thing that's like something that i think we need to figure out in many ways i think we need more days off and like that are not like oh sick days versus personal day no it's just like give us 12 days off that we can choose from that we need right like a, a an easy extension depending on what's happening like some of my coworkers have kids i don't have kids I plan to have kids. When that happens, my ability to be so wholeheartedly invested in this mentally, emotionally will diminish. And my hope Mm -hmm. is that there's the support to make that not be a problem, right? That's to me, the sustainability of the teacher profession is very important. And I think that depends on so, so, so many things. On my end is also like being like, okay, this is what I have the capacity for. This is not what I have the capacity for. And there is, I have a very strict, I don't know if there's another question coming around like work-life balance, but like I have a pretty basic, like fundamental, like after 6 p.m., give me my that. next four hours for myself. Like mm-hmm. it's just not a thing. I don't, I even have like, sometimes I'm like, whoa, like this is a lot. But like on Fridays at 4 p.m., there's a automatic reply every time someone emails me. It's like, I, I will not that. respond till Monday. And I really don't respond till Monday. Like, I genuinely don't. I love that, Eva. I think that having those boundaries and setting those boundaries in the workplace are really important. And I'm sure that teachers, either teachers that have just entered the profession or teachers that right now are maybe struggling with developing some of those boundaries, you really have shared something really concretely and also shared some concerns, right? We all know about the demands and how hard it is to call out and how we would sometimes drag ourselves to work sick because we didn't want to spend time submitting coverage lesson plans. So I hope that folks, new teachers, teachers that are trying to set boundaries are listening to Eva when she is setting those hard stop times. You actually dipped into one of the questions about life hacks or strategies, but I do want to ask you about how folks around you, your family or your friends, respond when you share that you're a teacher. Like, what do people in other fields, like, not understand about what teaching is like? Man, really the flexibility is the biggest one. Like... (laughs) This might also be my own personality, but like when when I have friends who are like, you want to come Wednesday at 8 p.m. to my house? I'm like, what's happening? Like, I'm yeah, not, no, this is no. not a thing. It's like not going to happen. Yeah. And also, because I think the flexibility piece goes into other areas of my life, right? Like I also, one of the things that I need in order to feel whole and active and good is I need to do exercise. I love exercise. And that's one of the first things to go, right? When you're like, I have to grade till 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. That is something that this year, I'm just not having it. Like if I, if I couldn't grade, then I guess we'll have another day. Like it's just not like I need to do my exercise, right? That makes it so that the flexibility piece, sometimes it's like, oh, but can you make an exception for this Wednesday to come to dinner? And it's like, okay. <laughs> The thing is that an exception this week is an exception the following week. And it just becomes a thing because there's no like, it's fine. I'll do it at 10 a.m., right? Or I'll have it on my lunch break or whatever. There's just no 
other ways in which the the day will go, right? Right. So I think that's one of the things that sometimes people, or like the inability to take a day off whenever, right? Like they're like, oh, like, can you just take it off? Like, let's do this thing. And I'm like, okay, I need like, give me couple months like I need school vacation like I need, time only school like, vacation time only right exactly so that's 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 one of the things that I think people don't understand very much and then I mean most people have this attitude of like wow that's <laughs> like mm-hmm. how do you do this right oh yeah it's like wow I could never right like that kind of thing and I think it's funny because I feel like I'm I'm one of the recruiters at my job because I do feel very genuine about my the fact that like when I think about a different job, I just really don't know what I would do. Or, I mean I would like I could do something what like what you're doing, Emily, right? Like mm-hmm. still like very education related, very like teaching related. But I can't like this is one one time I, I have a former coworker of mine who's one of my closest friends who we talked about this, like this is like our thing our fight our like social fight right or like whatever you want to call it this right. is what I'm doing and of course I hope I'm not saying like I would do this under any circumstance because I wouldn't right as, exactly. as what I, I was saying before I wouldn't like I don't think people should take abuse I don't think people should take like the kind of ridiculous stories I hear right of like I don't know like when I was teaching in Oregon I capped at my school at $39,000 a year. Like, there's no way I could have right. ever bought a house, right? Like, that's wild. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's like wild teachers thing. deserve a good quality of life and great yeah. work environment. So, yeah, I, yeah, I feel you. And yeah. for me, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, I, if I want to make it, like, if I think that my impact goes beyond this year, that's when I think my own ability to not feel guilty about my 6 p.m. cutoff, right? It's like, oh, I'm doing this so that I can see you graduate in four years, so that I can see your siblings graduate here in however long, right? So that I'm not actually out after a year of giving my all, because then I think the impact is less and it's not, Yeah. it just doesn't cut it. I agree. I think that for folks that usually say like, oh, I don't know how you do it. It's those moments though, Eva, that we hustle and we work for with students that have that like light at the end of the tunnel, right? When like, for example, like as a former L teachers, when like my L's were able to increase in their um, ELD levels, even if it was by 0.5, right? It's those moments of growth that really keep us in this profession and keep us alive and passionate in what we do. And it's challenging, right? And folks have their misconceptions. I want to hear your opinion about the the comment that I would get from my friends and family. Oh, at least you get summers off. Mm-hmm, and I'm like, mm-hmm, y'all, no. <laughs> I so think what do you, what have... do you get from that? I just feel like that used to be the thing they would tell me, but I really think something after pandemic, at least in my environment, changed to being like, I would never. Like, it's like a very immediate, like, nope. I don't know if it's because people saw their kids at home. I don't know what happened there, but it's like a big, but yes, when I used to have the, oh, at least you get some, or it wasn't even, it was more like, oh, teachers, like you get summers off. All you do is like hang out with the kids, like you can, especially with Spanish, right? It's like, oh, you just play movies all day, like that kind of thing that I'm like, you guys, like, (laughs) 
it's just so if i didn't have like i'm thinking about this week right now i'm in, on spring break there was a moment in the middle of last week where i was like if i didn't have next week off it would i would struggle deeply like i would have yep. i don't know i would have done the thing of like call out sick for a couple of days because i couldn't be there presently but knowing that that break was happening exactly. i was able to push through it's essential if anything i think we need more <laughs> that's why i'm saying yes. i think like we need more like we just don't it's my only i think about like an example for folks to like think about is like i think about my own reading like i love reading right i love reading fiction i have literally no capacity during my weekday or my weekend really to do that to exercise that hobby to be like i'm gonna lose myself in a novel doesn't matter how long it'll just happen mm. i do that now in the summers <laughs> yeah. or right now i have one novel i have one week i know i have one novel in the summer i have so it's like allow us the ability right to have a life even if brief that is not entirely around our kids needs yeah Yeah. Because otherwise we don't recharge and we don't do... I can't show up for another year. If I don't have that summer, right. there's no... I could not show up for another year. Right. No, Eva, I think you're right on. Like, all of those breaks, they're not just like full relaxed vacation mode. They're really reset, repurpose, regroup ourselves. Like you said, mm -hmm. if I didn't have this week... I was going to like crash. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you on that. And teachers definitely need more of those breaks. And let's honor, right? Let's honor teacher rest. Let's honor teacher time because they're, you know, you all are working so hard. Uh, and not only that, we have teachers that are also prepping for some part of their summer to make that curriculum better for yeah. their students. So <laughs> all breaks. For sure. yeah. yeah, that was me too. So all breaks are needed. What is your vision for this profession? What is your vision and how do you think we can get there? Mm, such a beautiful question. And I think it's changed with time. And not the vision. The vision has always been, for me, education should be about transforming our society, right. about making it work for everyone, for everybody's needs, and using everybody's strengths to make that happen. That's what I'm looking for as an educator. I look at my classroom and I see, okay, what is everybody bringing into this classroom, right? And like, how can I help facilitate the next step of that learning, the next step of that action step that these kids can make to a better place, right? Towards making a better place. This is not a place that I think has worked for any of the kids I'm serving, mm -hmm. <laughs> and certainly not for myself. And I think when we are able to cultivate agency, into whatever that agency is, right? I think our agency, the kind of kids that I'm serving, right? It's like the community. That's why I focus so much, right? It's the collective action, the collective A understanding, right? Like how can I get a different history lesson that is not the one my Spanish from Spain teacher told me about my people, right? That's gonna be reading books. Like when I go to Venezuela, it's like talking to my grandma and it's like, did we eat children before the Spaniard came? She's like, nope, let's talk about that, right? And like, to me, it's like my dad telling me like, okay, your teacher gave you an F, that's racism. We're gonna go 
to Venezuela and talk to our people about all of this, right? Like, that's what I'm trying to bring to my kids. It's like, okay, like, you think you don't have an ability to do math at all? That's probably not true. Let's actually see what it is that you're bringing and why do you think that? What messages have you gotten all your life about that? That, to me, is what we all need to be doing. And I think I'm lucky enough that even though I don't think I've ever been into any institution that I would say, like, this institution is perfect, I'm lucky enough that I have a cohort of folks both inside where I'm working and also outside that, and I think the teacher collab is, is part of that, right? It's like that are looking to push the same type of vision, right? How do I, how do we get there? I think that's the piece that I'm like, okay, I think I know what I have the power to do within my life and my workplace and my community. Right. And then I think being able to meet more like-minded people who are trying to do the same thing and trying to push that same vision and like sort of give tools for folks to be able to do that. Also thinking about like institutions where they're a lot more hostile to the idea that education is transformation. How do you support those teachers to be able to do as much as they can within that and be able to be part of the change that I think those institutions will have to do, right? Unless they decide to disappear because things are going to be changing. Like the world right. is going to be changing. Like you can decide to go with it or you can try to crush it as much as you want. But like our kids are not going to be like defeated. That's my hope. That's my vision. And if I don't, if I didn't believe that, if I thought we're doomed, <laughs> It's like we're trying to just, I wouldn't be able to do this, to sustain this. And that's that's what I'm always trying to like. And whatever that is, right? Like for some folks, the hope is spiritual. For some folks, the, fo the hope is like tactile because of actual experience they've seen of kids like doing amazing things after right. you're with them. But that's that's what I would say. Like once you lose, when you lose hope in like what you're doing as extremely important and long lasting go find your community other folks who are doing this and then see how they've survived and see how they've I think in the the it was yeah it was a teacher collab who did this event right around BIPOC retention and that was that was beautiful because it had the like folks who were like I like who very understandably had to leave the profession out of their own mental health and emotional well-being and then those who were able to break through some of these things and none of it means that now their lives are perfect but that they are able to like somehow push through and right. make some real changes and I think people like that are the like I think Excel if I think about my own institution I think Excel is a very different place than when I studied and I think that has and not it's not a perfect place but it's a different place and I think it's because of some of the continuity of folks who think this way and then mm -hmm. how admin was like we're actually going to put some of those folks who think this different way than what we've been doing in the past into leadership so that yeah. they push that if that doesn't happen I would have probably left this place and tried to find a different place or fight it from the inside in a different way and I'm just grateful that that's not where we're at right now we're in like a collab moment we'll see how far that goes hopefully for a long time but that's what I'm right with VPS it would be with a union and also with different pockets fighting right. within that same space right yeah no that's real that's real Eva I think that you definitely have me thinking a little bit about just my own experience and also just kind of 
like having like a big picture of just like the teaching profession that it's very much a marathon. Anything can happen. Shifts need to happen. Change needs to happen. You train for a marathon. So teaching very much feels like a marathon. And I mm -hmm. think that with the evolution and shifting and centering practices around folks that haven't been centered, right? BIPOC folks and students, teachers, educators. Mm -hmm. I think there is hope, right? There is hope in that profession. Mm -hmm. But I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you, Eva, for your time. I wanna thank you for your gems. I've also, as the podcast host, have left feeling really fulfilled and kind of a little like motivated. You gave me like a little pep talk from someone <laughs> who just sounds serious, but someone who you literally know, you can call me for a pep talk. That's what I feel. Oh, thank that you. <laughs> thank you. But I just feel really like whole for someone who left the, the classroom a year ago and is shifting this work and supporting teachers, it's great to hear your perspective on like what your you know experience has been, what you need, what you've done. And just like, I really love the, this idea and concept that you've brought into this episode about just like collective healing and learning and just community and that power of just like community connection. So it's, it was great hearing from you and being able to have you on our episode. So thank you. Thank you so much, Emily. It's, it's always a pleasure Likewise. talking with you. Likewise. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. You can learn more about the Teacher Collaborative by visiting our website, theteachercollaborative.org, or by following us on social media at the Teacher Collab. That's C-O-L-A-B with one L. And if you enjoy this show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Special thanks to today's guest and to all the awesome teachers out there who show up with love, creativity, compassion, and energy every day. Thanks to teacher Ben Truboff for our theme music, The Dusty Pencil Sharpener. And additional thanks to our amazing producer, Mijan Zulu, for translating our vision into a high-quality podcast and creating additional music.